This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Homestyle Radio's podcast number five of Euro 2012. Um, we're recording this a couple of days after we did the last one as a result of, um, of England's uh, uh, dismissal from the tournament. Um, so we thought we'd get it while it's fresh and painful and try and uh, cover as much as we can for you. This will be the penultimate podcast from uh, for the Euro 2012 tournament. We'll do one uh, when the tournament's over just to round up the whole thing. But uh, but for now we're just gonna well with me I've got Alex Joe and Steve hi guys hi hello hello there hey uh, all the the three new guys uh, we haven't we're not polluting them with the uh, with the older chaps today um, we're just literally gonna gonna talk for as long as we as long as we feel it's necessary um, for this England Italy game and try and cover as much of the, of the reasons why and, and get Alex's opinion because you know he's now. Now very much focused on Italy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Then we'll have a little chat after that about who we think is going to win the tournament and why that is uh, before we say our goodbyes. But um, but gentlemen, obviously I'll I'll talk to each one of you in turn and then we'll get going on a discussion. uh, Just just an overall feeling on on the game. If I start with you, Alex, um, sort of mixed emotions was it? Yeah. um, Well, um, there was one team that was dominating the whole game, to be honest, and I think they deserved the victory. Um, I think. You know, their I think their football at times. I think Italy's football at times was fantastic, and the way they kept the ball was brilliant. Um, I thought England couldn't have done any more. To be honest, I think uh, they set themselves out very well, um, but um, maybe not. They didn't have the right maybe strategy for a quarter final. Um, obviously, we'll we'll be talking about that in more depth uh, later on in this podcast. Well, indeed, but, but yeah, yeah, good overall. Summary there, uh, um, Joe. You were probably a bit more disappointed, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, I mean, firstly, I think uh, they set up three five two, which done us because we just straight away went four four two, overrunning midfield. And if you overrun, get overrunning midfield. I mean, like we said before, everyone said the person you got to watch. I mean, it, it wasn't just us; it was the whole of the world saying 
don't give Perlow any space. Don't mm. give him any time on the ball. So what did we do? We, we just gave him basically 60 minutes of, of... He must have been laughing his head off. I mean, it's, it was, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, was ridiculous. A, it, was a, it was very much the focus in the media afterwards, and rightly so. It was a, an absolutely sensational performance. Um, but we'll, we'll, I think that's probably where we'll start in a little while. But just a quick chat with Steve. Steve obviously saw the game as well, kind of probably like every other English fan. I didn't be- want to believe it was going to be the case, but kind of saw it coming. Well, let's let's be fair here. It was penalties, and you know when have we not gone out in in, in penalties in in recent years? Yeah. Um, personally, though, actually, I'm a lot more upbeat than uh, than Joe is. Um, I think we uh, we did end up having some very good chances throughout the game, um, and actually, the game could have been incredibly different had Glenn Johnson have stuck that one in in the uh, the first few minutes yeah. of the game. But yeah, obviously, and then that's that was one of the, the key mm. moments. And you thought he could, there's not, not much else he could do but score there. But a fantastic save from Buffon. And I mean, yeah. that's where where I'm going to start things really. Sort yep. of just a quick review of that game, and uh, and I'll, I'll go straight to you in a sec, Alex. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the first half England started uh, kind of like we hoped they would. Um, mm. it, it looked like an even, the even game everyone was predicting. Everyone sort of said fifty fifty beforehand. I don't know how much of that was heart rolling head, but that was certainly what uh, what a lot of people were saying and. It started off that way, and you saw England get a, a grip on the game after a, a nervy few minutes early on, where Italy had a lot of possession. Mm. And, and then, basically, uh, the Italian sort of um, way started to... Well, they started to impose themselves more on the game, but not before England had plenty of chances. And um, very, very disappointing to uh, for Glenn Johnson to have missed that one, really. But, um, but yeah, I mean, then second half, completely different story. Mm. Uh, just really hanging on the whole, whole time, and one of those you sort of gets nervous and then you're getting towards the end and you're thinking oh how could we just snatch a little goal here especially if Wayne Rooney had snatched it because I'd won about 500 quid but um didn't happen uh, obviously and going into extra time again only one team in it and as soon as that whistle went for penalties we kind of knew the score really so that's I mean it's a bit of a dis- sort of despondent way of summing the game up and there was plenty of, of good stuff from England uh, in, in that first half but really went out with a with a bit of a whimper in a similar way to, to France against Spain so that's where I'm going to start you off guys and I want to start off talking about Pe- uh, Perlo because of it was mm. just a virtuoso yeah. display I, meant, I I was talking to um, to a mate in the pub and I was saying you know I miss Big Ron Atkinson commentating on games because the first thing he would have said is you need to get a, he would have, he calls it the reducer, the tackle. Just a nice, hard, solid tackle. Straight in, knock him to the floor, you know, let him know you're there early on. Uh, none of that from England, just gave him as much space as he liked. And, and well, Alex, you know a lot about the guy. He, he showed us how good he is. Yeah, and uh, I wrote an article about him uh, for the Own Goal podcast website, uh, profiling Pillar before the game. And I thought he'd be a big threat. Um, and, you know, he... He, at the beginning of the game, obviously England started very well, um, but they lost their discipline and uh, Pillow found little pockets of space and he was able to sort of control the game and dictate the game. He, I think he's been described by some Italian fans as like the di- director of the Italian football team, mm. which you could probably say is true because... You know, some of those balls that he was playing to the, the full-backs and uh, Balotelli. Sorry, sorry and Alex, can I, Alex, can I do a really quick joke? It's a good yeah. job they didn't call him the dictator of the... Ah. Anyway, yeah. I've done that. You said Fair no enough. xenophobia. So no no xenophobia, yeah. Um, right. So, um, yeah. And it's just, he was spraying the ball very well, um, passing the ball to the full-backs and to Balotelli and Cassano. And, you know, he's been in... Barkley form this season um, with Juventus. Uh, I think uh, last year many people thought maybe his career was finished uh, in, you know, in, in, a, in football, playing for a major uh, European side. I remember you thinking maybe oh, he'd go to you know the US retirement home of of the MLS or maybe the Middle East to get a big payday. But he signed for Juventus, and you know he helped them win the Serie A unbeaten. So. You know he was outstanding and and not surprised at all because he's been he's been in sparkling form in the not only in the league but in the tournament as well. I thought, mm, Joe, you wanted to talk a bit more about him. Well, I mean the thing is he is he's undoubtedly a good player, but we made him look fantastic. Listen, if if any one of us, well, any one of us three, was sitting just in front of the halfway line with the England with not an England player within twenty five yards of you. Right? Do you not think that you couldn't, that you would misplace a pass to your mate? Mm. 
Mm. Christ Almighty, how easy did we make it for him? That yeah, was, the, no, that was what disappointed me more than anything else, is that he's been called this fantastic player, but if no one goes to him... Mm. Have, I'll tell you what, you're saying about, about Ron Atkinson wanted the reducer, he, used mm. to, he, he did that. As soon as Carroll came on, what did he do? He went straight over there and oofed him. And that yeah. was it, and then he, he hurried him. As soon as you hurry him... It's the English he, but, way. It's exactly, that's the English way. We can't play one... We can only play one way. So why don't we play the way that we're really good at and, and and do that. I couldn't. I was. I was very. Mm. Your players of that quality are always going to find pockets of space. They're that I understand. Good. And I and understand. and you got to understand as well. Uh, Rooney's job was to mark Pillar, and the beginning of the game he did that. I think the first fifteen or twenty mm. minutes he you know marked him. He was very disciplined, but then he lost his discipline. And you got probably point the blame to the two strikers because their job is to sort of man mark Pillar, and you don't want to be seeing uh, sort of Gerrard or Parker losing. Losing the shape to being sucked in to, to close down Pillar, and it wouldn't have worked. And I think part of the blame could be down to one of the two strikers, which is a shame because you know back in the day, uh, Rooney used to be you know applauded for his you know um, his his fight and being able to close down defenders and goalkeepers. I I haven't seen that from him this season. I haven't seen that mm. from him in an England shirt. So that's a big dis- that was a big disappointment for me. Well, um, just before I bring you in there, Steve, I mean, I think it kind of it, it's what it what it kind of points out to me is there's a disparity between this, um, like like you said, Rooney was doing his job and he was definitely down because you could see with the other players talking to him, it was definitely his responsibility just to stick with Perlo. But but basically, he 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 seemed to decide that it it wasn't befitting him. Like he wanted a, his his role in the team should have been attacking and we should be imposing ourselves on Italy. And you know we should be we should be pushing them, and you know they should be thinking, well, oh, Perlo's got to follow me around the pitch. And it kind of it's that kind of attitude. It's it's a difficult one to call, uh, Steve. I think the, uh, the the thing is is we can all agree that Perlo was fantastic, uh, and I actually I, I do agree with with both Gel and uh, and Alex in a way that we should have been having a, a striker sitting on Perlo. Um, but that that being said, then. Um, would you? I mean, I suppose you'd have Rooney doing it, but I don't mm. think that Welbeck could have done it because he's he's just not the the sort of player that's able to tackle, in in my opinion. Um, that's right, and it's a real shame to to give Rooney that role in, in a lot of ways because it isn't what he's about. He is a he is you know an attacking force. So, I mean, Joe, uh, on the formation you wanted to talk there. Yeah, I'll, I'll just you you just touched on it, Steve, about Welbeck. He, he didn't seem to. To want to close down, I don't know whether, I, I don't know. Any, any time that their back four had the ball, he didn't seem to. You know, like Owen used to just leg it forward and hurry, and then obviously it, it, the triangles were made by the defenders, and and then they got the ball away from him. But it, at least he used to force force the opposition to do to do something. We didn't seem that our our front two weren't shutting down as much as what I thought they could have done. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is this is. It sounds like a massive bitch about the whole team, but there were some huge positives last night. Some huge positives, but I think the, the negatives outweighed the positives, and, and it was just the, the second half performance. But Welbeck doesn't work hard enough for me. Um, and then what we did is we bought on uh, Walcott. We didn't give him the ball. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why not? We've got the fastest player on the pitch, probably one of the fastest players in the yeah. tournament. And we don't give him the ball. Um, outrageous! Completely outrageous. Um, Go on, Steve. What was going to say? Joe, I think um, one of the things to say as well is I don't think it was necessarily just the uh, the front two. I think it was something that was endemic from the entire team yesterday. We, we backed off, we backed off, we backed off until they put the ball in the box and then tried to rob them. Um, we actually had several uh, several moments where you had uh, from long balls from the Italians where uh, where Balotelli was uh, was pretty much through. And if it hadn't been for the likes of um, uh, of uh, sorry, Jolie and Lescott and Terry coming in uh, and nicking the ball off him at the last minute, we we could have been robbed time and time again. Um, I think the, uh, the the thing to say as well is that we by allowing them so much space um, and actually also a lot of the time having a, uh, a a back four line which was which wasn't straight allowed them to come in. Um, I think uh, Joe, you were going to say something about Balotelli as well, weren't you? I'll tell you, how good was he last night? How good was he? I'll tell you what, if he Absolutely. plays... Oh, 
the, the, the whole package. I think it was because it was maybe because it was against England. We might see his bat. You know, he's the mm. other side of him come out in the next game for them. But I, I was. I was so impressed with him. He almost played the game with a smile on his face, like you know he was playing against his mates, his his teammates. But he just how sharp did he look? If he'd have had a little, his shooting boots on, that mm. game would have been finished in twenty minutes. Yeah, the only the only bad thing for Balotelli is, is he wanted it a little bit too much. He just wanted to be the yeah. man, didn't he? But um, Alex, do you want to take us back to the formation again? Yeah, I'll just quickly talk about uh, Balotelli there because what what I like about Balotelli. Um, I think he's so passionate about you know being Italian, being brought up in Italy, and I think last night he tried doing a bit too much, but he still showed that he's got the desire in an Italian shirt, which you know I thought was fantastic from him last night. And it's and it's the only one bad thing about his performance was that there wasn't a goal, but I still think you know he's still got a chance in the semi-final to score um, and make amends. Um, in, in regards to the formation, um, I thought maybe England maybe should have set out differently um, to sort of combat the threat of Pillar. Uh, I know people spoke about um, four-two-three-one, um, which means that you know you've all, you've got the two players in front of the back four, and then you've got the three attack, attacking players. I think that central uh, attack, attacking player in that in, the, in that in that bank of three could maybe have sort of combated the threat of Pillar and you know prevented him from having such a big influence on the game. See, I think I think Joe said it during the game. To be honest with you, and I, I hate agreeing with him all the time, but I certainly did on this occasion. He just said. If you're if you're against basically if you're against a better team you don't you don't give way to them in midfield. In other words, if they put five in midfield, you've got to do the same really, mm. uh, in some way. And I, and I think that was true certainly against a team that, that you know can keep the ball a lot better than you can. They ran us around a lot, uh, Steve. Yeah, I, just going back to uh, to what Alex was saying there about um, the only bad thing about Balotelli's performance was the fact that he didn't score. I I don't think I ever saw him particularly passing anyone else into the box. I mean, I realised that he was seen as sort of the, the talisman and the front man, but I don't think he, he particularly held it up at all um, and played anyone else in. I don't know if Alex wants to uh, to come back on, on that um, just to uh, to see what, what his, his opinion of my rebuttal is, but I, I don't think he actually played him played anyone else in at all. I, I, I thought that um, his performance, especially when Cassano went off and uh, Italy brought on Diamanti and made it a five in midfield, um, I thought that you know his he held the ball up very well. And and at times, like I said earlier, you know his desire to play for his his country. I think sometimes he tried getting involved a bit too much, which meant that he wasn't you know uh, getting in behind the defenders uh, like he was in the first half. So I think that's why you probably won't see you won't you won't see that's the influence that we've seen you know in the past of Balotelli scoring some you know wonderful goals you know going running past the the back four. Um, so yeah, I thought I think he I thought he did very well and it was a mature performance from him because we're all expecting you know uh, uh, some disciplinary problems in this tournament from him. But you know he's only had well he said I think he's had two yellow cards. Uh, one mm. of them was unfair and. Um, He's showing a lot more maturity than he did um, with Man City last season. Mm. Yeah, without, without a doubt. I mean, I, I was going to say, going back to Cassano before he went off, this is what really good coaches pick up on. Is that in our last game, we let, well, throughout the tournament, what we've done is we've got, as we've been pushed back, gets to about 30 yards, and we're letting people shoot, cut in and shoot. How many times did the Italians shoot from 30 yards last night? I'd love to see the stats on that, because they really fancied it. I mean, whether they think, think Joe ain't any good from 30 yards, I don't know, but I mean, they just looked to, to take virtually every opportunity, um, and when uh, Diamante come on in a second half, he cut him from the left, what did he do? So as he, within a minute of coming on, he cut inside Cole, because Cole's not going to let him go past him, and then Bosch, Joe Joe pulled off that good save down to his left hand side. So I think they had their they had their shooting boots on last night, but only because we purely um, we let them do it as we have done all the way through the tournament. I think some of the uh, some of the problems there, Joe, was um, we've always said it's better than shooting from distance um, because that way you're more likely, especially with a keeper like Joe Hart, to be able to keep it out. Um, but one of the things that I would say is we've always said at Palace. We'd love people to, to shoot more and have someone running in on it. And that's something that actually Balotelli can do very, very well. And had Joe Hart have spilled any of those, um, then I think Balotelli would have been in um, at, at times. And I think the, uh, the other thing to say as well is um, 
it was nice actually seeing one team doing lots of shots because we didn't actually create that many chances for ourselves after the first sort of 20 minutes of dominance and the uh, and possibly the, the first five minutes of dominance at the uh, start of the second half, half rather. We didn't create that many other chances, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Joe, what, what, what did you think about that? Well, no, I mean, you're saying dominance. I don't think we dominated the game at any time at all. Um, I think they, they let us yes, have a bit of pressure. And then, and then, but the thing is, this is this is where you get good players. What they do, they realise we're not a passing side, so we're just going to mess it up. They get the ball back. It's as simple as they know they're going to get mm. the ball back within 30 seconds. They know no matter what happens, they're going to have the ball back. Now that's absolutely right, and, and I think, I'm, well, I, I can certainly speak for an entire pub as well for people. Uh, the frustration as the game wore on of just effectively for for at least five minutes of a five sorry at least a five minute spell the only England player who touched the ball was Joe Hart because it was Italian attack ball goes out for goal kick Hart hoofs it up Italians have ball back you know it, and and we've seen that at Palace <laughs> quite a few times on a, for a number on a number of occasions and it's that is so frustrating to see and and a lot of and a lot of that stems from this idea again you're talking about not closing people down not closing people down is, is a sort of it's very very similar to to basically not chasing a ball down or you know or not or not retaining possession and basically not not manning up and you know being being someone who thinks well i'm going to get the ball i'm going to put my foot on it and, and if someone runs at me i'm gonna i'm gonna use my ability to get past them that sort of stuff and i think we were, we were very much retreated into our shell and got very very um Sort of overrun by just you know overall by the occasion I suppose is probably the way of, the way of putting it. Um, I wanted to sort of steer us in a sort of less general direction and talk about two players in particular who we've discussed at length over the course of these podcasts. And I know opinion usually varies to a degree, but but certainly Ashley Young. Um, not talking about the penalties. Penalties are uh, are what they are. Some people. You know, someone's got to miss them, basically, and I, I don't personally hold any grudge on that side of things. But but Ashley Young and James Milner during the course mm. of the game. Now, I know what Gel's opinion on Milner is going to be. Um, I actually thought he was he had a better game than he'd had for for the rest, you know, mm. for the tournament, most of the tournament. And he he actually allowed Glenn Johnson to get involved uh, in an attacking sense for a, for a period of that first half, although it very quickly went. But but I really struggle to have anything positive to say um, about about Ashley Young. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with with you, Alex. I think. Yeah. Um, well, um, in regards to Milner, um, I thought Milner was all right last night. I thought he defended very well, and um, in that formation and in that strategy, he um, set about himself very well. So, uh, which, as you were saying about Glenn Johnson, Glenn Johnson had the sort of license to push up forward, and I thought Johnson had a really good game. Uh, Johnson defended well and attacked with purpose. Um, in regards to uh, Ashley Young, I remember uh, Ashley Young at Sellust in the you know the three nil uh, the semi final playoff uh, leg, and I thought he was outstanding. And then from that day, I thought this guy is going to be going places. This guy is going to be playing for one of the biggest sides in England. Um, he'll be playing for England in a few years' time. And um, you know, in an England shirt, uh, there was some early promise. Obviously, in a few friendlies, I think against yep. uh, Switzerland, when England went two 0 down, and he was brought up by Capello in the uh, at half time, and he changed the game completely. Um, but and you know, he showed some promise in the in the fixtures before this tournament. But for me, he's been the most, the most disappointed player in the England squad in this tournament. I thought, you know, not only. Um, is he suspect defensively? And in this formation, you need players that are aware, uh, that are defensively sound. I think, especially yep. if you're playing two solid banks of four. But what he's putting aside for to attack the wings, he didn't do that. And I thought, you know, he struggled throughout the tournament, and um, I wasn't really pleased with his performance. Last no, I, I, to me, I would, I would say, he bottled it. Steve, your opinion? Yeah, to be honest. Um... The, the the France game, I think the only thing he, he did was uh, was was falling over unassisted for the uh, for the free kick that Julian Lescott scored from. I think in the uh, the Sweden game he was very ordinary, and I think it was uh, I think we, we we saw other players with a lot of promise, the likes of uh, Theo Walcott, um, that do a hell of a lot better. The Ukrainian game actually, I think he uh, he picked up. I think he was actually providing a lot of decent crosses from the uh, from the left there. Um, that actually, had Carroll been playing as I'd, uh, I'd pretty much demanded before the game, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
then uh, then I think Carroll would have got a hat full there. Um, the, the the game last night, he was he had an absolute shocker. Uh, I think the uh, the uh, the penalty miss has really just been crap flavored icing on a crap flavored cake. <laughs> it was uh, for, for this tournament. It was absolutely yeah. terrible. My mum used to do cakes like that. <laughs> No, I, was, I just just to sort of fin- finish up on Young, but I'll just have a very very quick chat um, about Milner as well with Joe, even though he doesn't want to. But he wants to talk about Rooney, but we'll, we just we will have a, a tiny word on that. Um, but but for me, it, Ashley Young was summed up by uh, a couple of moments where he, he was he was going down that left. He, he, you know, he really looks to go outside on his left foot. He, he, he likes to cut back in and he likes to swing the ball in with that right foot. Usually, the deep cross trying to find Rooney on the back post. That's kind of his thing, really. But he he just rushed that. He You could see that he was just going... He was doing what he normally does, but he wasn't he wasn't looking up. He didn't have that head up to look to see who was there. He was just, I'm going to do this. I'm in this position here. I'm going to cut back. I'm going to swing the ball in. And, you know, and it, just crossing the ball to no one in a, in a, in a Euro, European Championships quarterfinal. Uh, for a player of his stature, is is unacceptable in my view, and I think he's gonna um, he's gonna get a backlash from it. And I think it's you know people always look for have someone to blame, and I think he's gonna get the brunt of it uh, because he's coupled that with a penalty miss as well. Uh, it's a shame that, <laughs> but that's another thing that seems to be the English way. But but Joe, obviously we there was um, we've talked about Milner a lot, and we, I don't want to dwell on it. But um, Obviously, a few people have, have tried to present an alternative viewpoint in that he, you know, he enables Johnson to do certain things or covers his mistakes. Do you, do you really you convinced in any way on him? No, not at all. Not at all. No, um, no I think he's. Uh, listen, with wings, if you're going to play down the wing, you need pace. Right. Firstly, he hasn't got any pace. Um, it's like, like I said before, he's a poor man's Chris Waddle without any end products. How many crosses did he put in last night? Oh, I'll tell you what. The chance that. Uh, I think it was the chance that Johnson had. Um, he slipped over. If you watch him, he actually slipped over, which is what threw the first defender, went through his mm-hmm. legs, or he came off his ankle, went through his legs. That then made the second Italian defender miss it. That's the only reason he got to Johnson. Had it been a clean contact, it would have been, you know, he'd fallen over. Um, but like I say, I've castigated him a whole tournament. I think he's been by far for, MP- well, just, just for his, his, uh, his work ethos, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm people watch, and I'm, mm. I'm people watch more this time because my obvious, I never had a dislike for him before this. That's the worst mm. part about it. Um, I, I, he just, he just, I, I, I think he looked lost. I think he looks out of his depth. Like you know, there was, I'd say there's three, maybe four players that looked out their depth that they may look fantastic in the mm. Premier League every week. But I'd say now, I think, I think you know, there was two or three that definitely. And they and, and our players kept fall- mm. why would they keep falling over? Everyone was falling over. Well, Steve Steve wanted to make a point on that. Steve? I have to say, yeah, greatly stolen there, Joe. Um now nah, I mean I think if you watch the uh, the entire tournament, I think we probably had players slipped more than any other team um throughout the uh, the tournament. And for me, there's gotta be either a problem with our, our centre of balance or a problem with the shoes. Or, uh, or we're just not used to uh, to playing on, uh, on on football pitches. Um, at times last night, we looked like we weren't used to playing on football pitches. Um, Alex, I mean, just going back to uh, to, mm. to Milner, um, I think at times, yeah, throughout the championship, he he didn't look fantastic. Uh, mm. Certainly didn't look the uh, the way that I loaded him up before the France game. Uh, but but Alex, what was your uh, your your final thoughts on Milner? Um, well. To be honest, I think Milne has been played out of position this season and uh, he's been sort of transformed as a sort of central midfielder. I think that's part partly due to his, his latter days at Aston Villa uh, where I think um, they had a few injuries and they put Milner in the middle of the, of the park and he was able to sort of control the games more. And this season he's been used sort of sporadically by uh, Mancini um, and he hasn't really played on the right-hand side, which surprised me when I heard, you know, that he was... Well, that um, Hodgson was contemplating using uh, Milner, um, and so maybe that's part of the reason why he hasn't had he hasn't had a great tournament. Um, it's because he's been playing out of position uh, for the past two two to three years. I think that Gold, silence uh, was for you to talk about Rooney, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 sorry, <laughs> I, I, I was just waiting for someone else to say something nice about. About Ilna. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this um, yeah, let's talk about Rodney. I just, I, I just, um, 
uh, listen, I've been his, I'm a champion of him. I think he's one of the best players I've seen for a long time. He does stuff, you know, uh, you saw from his first game, but uh, Everton against Arsenal, what he can do. And he's carried on doing that through the Premiership. Unfortunately, stick him in an England shirt and he's not done fantastically. He scored the odd goal. Um, again, like, uh, like Ashley Young, you know, it's it's all well and good scoring in uh, in friendlies, um, but when it comes to you know mixing it with the big boys, he doesn't seem to have uh, he doesn't seem to have, have, have gone on a, a step, which you'd like, you know, he hasn't taken the step up. Um, I don't know whether there's anything wrong as he got the ump um, about something. You never know, and maybe in two or three weeks when someone decides to spill the beans about who's got the ump, who's got the, who's this and who's that, you never you never know. Half of them could be. Best mates with with Rio, and he's got the um, and you know, and and they're, everyone's there's always fractions in the camp. There's never a happy camp, no matter what people say. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I was really disappointed with Rooney last night. He, he looked completely lost, mind you, saying that. Apart from our back four, um, and occasionally Gerard, I thought most of the team looked lost. I think that you know by being so com- comprehensively outplayed, out skilled, out fault, you know, just being out on that pitch, I thought it was. Um, it was. I'll tell you what it was. Do you remember when Germans bashed us up four-one? It was like that without the goals. Well, I have to say, um, no, I, I definitely felt like that with the amount of, uh, of possession that Italy had last night. But now, going going back to Rooney, then I think we can all agree that at no stage of the uh, the tournament has he looked sharp. There was there was one or two nice little touches that played the ball into uh, Beck's path last night. But other than that, he did. Very, very poorly. I think we saw in the, uh, the the first game that he played, the Ukraine game, then he looked out of sorts. He looked like a man who hadn't played. I think they pulled out a stat at the time, which was in the last 37 days before the Ukraine game, he'd had 37 minutes of football. A great coincidence, though, it turned out being uh, being a minute a day. But I think if you if you looked at him, there was there was nothing there. And I think it's just generally the fact that he's not been played for a while, and he just wasn't match fit, wasn't focused, uh, and didn't have it. I don't think there was any great conspiracy theory on it. I think he just w- shouldn't have been played, in my opinion, bring him on as an impact sub. Uh, I think, really, when you, you looked at it, you had a better chance of getting the, uh, the likes of, uh, of Carroll on. Because, at times, we, had, uh, we did have decent crosses from Milner, that that Carroll would probably have uh, have buried in the back of the net with a, with, with his head, um, which you know Rooney seemed to under jump. Um, I think personally, uh, looking throughout the, the the team, certain players have uh, have commended a, a very uh, or have done well. Gerard was was certainly one of them. I think at different points Terry has been throughout the tournament as well. And last night, I don't think Terry was was particularly awful either. I don't know. Uh, sorry, Chris, what were you thinking? I think you wanted to go back on uh, on Rooney again for a second. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Didn't you? Yeah, I did send a, a message to say that, but it wasn't really in English, so you, I can forgive you for missing it briefly. Um, but, yeah, I just I just wanted to sort of finish with... I mean, I know we, we've we've sort of covered it, but, but the, it was the contrast to me in, in someone like Rooney, who Hodgson quite rightly was pointing to him as our key player. You know, he was our, he was our guy who has to come back in, who has to drive the team forward, right? And... And and him not doing it, and and I think it raises a general question personally about um, how an international team gels. And I know um, gel, funnily enough, <laughs> um, you you sort of hinted at that with, you know, maybe their mates with Rio Ferdinand and all that sort of stuff. And to me, there is a general point to be made. I mean, again, this is a difficult difficult situation because we've had a 
you know, a late change of manager. We've had late squad withdrawals through injuries and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sure Italy haven't had it all their own way either in the build-up. And and you look at their, the, you know, the team out there, and it wasn't just you know Pirlo who was who had an excellent game. De Rossi was good. Montalivo uh, was Montalivo was excellent. I mean, he really mm. was probably yeah. the best I've seen him playing. I mean, I've seen him a, a fair bit, and he. I just yeah, thought he was, he was, yeah, he's just on another level, really. Um, what's his name? The guy went off, Abate, is it? Yeah, Abate, the attacking right game, back. Storming game at right back. Yeah. And I, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't really know an awful lot about the guy, but he looked sensational. And, and that sort of thing, that, you know, when we're looking to one player to do that, we should be looking to a team of players as well. And, and I think Rooney's going to get a lot of stick because, because the focus is on him uh, as... You know, and people are already resisting, saying you can't possibly call him, you know, world class or anything like that. I still believe he is, and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of people do. But, but we, you know, we, I don't know. I, I don't think we should feel let down by him. I think, I think he did as much as he could in the in the circumstances that we had, and the way we played, the, um, and the, and the people around him, just weren't the right people for him to. You know, to to excel really, but I think there's a lot more to it than than just Wayne Rooney. So anyway, Joe, you wanted to talk about um, John Terry. No, I just, I just, I mean, you're saying using the word sensational. I think he has been, in my opinion, he's been our player of the tournament. I think he's been, he's been so committed. Him and silently up there with with Scotty Parker. I mean, again last night he just put in his putting his face in the way but I think John Terry has been superb like you know we can uh, uh, we can all coat him off for, for his uh, yeah we did for, for every, <laughs> yeah we have done yeah for everything yeah. that he's ever done I didn't outside I didn't. of football and, and also <laughs> in the you know and what he's done playing for Chelsea but you know and we've said this before and if you want someone to stick their face in front of the ball we've now got two of those um, unfortunately both at the at the wrong end of their career um, and uh, you know at, We've got mm. we've got three, four. I reckon three or four players. This could be their last tournament. I'm seeing yeah. Gerard go to go to 2014 for the World Cup, and that and that will definitely be the end of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just you know, it's a it's a real shame. I thought anyway, getting back to Terry, I thought he was definitely our player of the tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you reckon on the injuries and stuff, Al? Yeah, well. We did have a few um, injuries before the tournament. Um, obviously, Smalling uh, was a big loss, um, and uh, Cahill as well. Um, and I think a few. We had Lampard as well, who you know had a, who's had a good season with Chelsea in in a sort of new role, playing a sort of more um, deeper role um, in in a, in a midfield too. So maybe he would have suited um, the formation that Hodgson plays. So I think I, I just I think the future's bright. I think Hodgson's Brought in a mix of young and old play- older players. Um, he's got the right balance, I, th- I think. And um, you know, mm. there's a few young players as well, like Wilshire, who's injured, unfortunately, yeah. and wasn't able to make this tournament. Um, and there's a few good youngsters. Hopefully, Zaha. Hopefully, Klein. You never know. And um, hopefully, we'll see them in 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 2014. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't think the future's you know bleak. I think it's right, and I think and I think um, you know. Hodgson was appointed only about a month and a half ago, so I don't think England fans are expecting much, to be honest. And quarterfinals, getting into the quarterfinals and losing on penalties is not a bad result, I think. And you know, winning, winning, winning the group as well. So I don't think it's as bad as everyone's you know speaking about. So mm. no, it's a, it's a fair point, and I do do when uh, well, probably in about five ten minutes when we start to finish up on this subject, I do want to have a little talk about the the, the future, really. But Steve, you wanted to come in with something about the injuries there. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I think the the injuries on on certain players. Sorry, I hold think, on, Steve. Have you moved to a, an underwater room of some sort? <laughs> I, I, I was hearing uh, Al crack up before, so I'm wondering if he's, he's still got his microphone. Yeah, I'm not sure. You, just sit, uh, you sound a little distant, but carry on. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best to uh, to speak up just for you, Chris. Um, no, to be honest, I think the injuries was um, was actually quite a positive thing for uh, for Hodgson. I think. What we ended up seeing was the likes of Lampard um, not not actually being there, um, which I, I think was a positive thing. Actually, for once, we actually got to see Steven Gerrard being able to control the entire team by himself without having Lampard stepping into his space. I think we didn't have Barry, which I think again think was a positive thing. Meant that at times we had to come more positive, like the Sweden game. I think we also had, um, you, you know, okay, I think Cahill might have been a miss. 
But actually, I think Charlie and Lescott filled in brilliantly um, as a centre-back, and I think that worked incredibly well as well. Uh, for me, I think that we, uh, we, we massively overachieved on, uh, on where people were saying beforehand. And I've got a little rant about the, uh, the media on that. Uh, it's generally the fact that, yet again, we're just hearing England aren't good enough. We're hearing we were very poor, blah, 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 blah. Hodgson's terrible, blah, blah. And actually, I don't think it's the, uh, the, the actual point at all. For me, I think, like we said, we had a month and a half of, uh, of Hodgson when he came in. Uh, we've had players, a lot of players there who haven't played together before. And yet we still managed to win the group, yeah, win the group uh, with seven points. And what wasn't a t- wasn't a very easy group either, and on top of that as well, we managed to uh, to hold the Italians, who in in, in Italy are seen as one of the favourites for the tournament. We managed to ca- take them to a, a stage where they were able to uh, where we ended up, t- you know, having absolutely no possession, very few chances, and still managed to take them to penalties. Uh, Joe, what do you what do you think on that? Well, Chief, I mean, if people were saying we overachieved. I mean. I don't think we overachieved. I think we we if we if we look at it, we hadn't beaten Sweden since thirteen fifty six or some stupid stat that the papers come out with. We we should have beaten we we should have beat them and we did beat them right. We should have we should beat Ukraine and we should be looking at getting draws and stuff. I don't think we overachieved at all. We should be we should have finished first or seconds in that group. That's where we should have been expecting and get into the quarterfinals. So we got to the quarterfinals and then we got done. So we haven't overachieved. We've got to where we really should be. We, we found their level. A quarterfinal team in a in a in a Europe in a Europe league where there's only probably four or five standout teams and we ain't one of them. So we, we've found our level completely. I mean, I don't think we've overachieved at all. What we've done, in fact, if you look at players players for players and people say, oh, yeah, you've got Gerard, who's one of the best midfielders in the world. You've got Rooney, one of the best strikers. You've got Terry, one of the best defenders. And then you stick. We, we, have, we haven't overachieved. I think, I think mm. we, if, if with a little bit more flair and a little bit more playing a European way, we've underachieved. Well, mm-hmm. that leads us nicely onto where I want to go in a lot of ways. You're absolutely right in that we, we certainly didn't uh, over... Uh, well, we, we achieved exactly what we deserved, I think. Exactly, yes. Um, but I, th- I think, we again, we suffered a little bit with expectation <laughs> rising once we started, you know, showing um, some re- relatively decent form in the groups. But but people's uh, <laughs> expectations seem to change so, so quickly. It's, um, it's frustrating. We see it at Palace all the time as well. But where I want to take us next, and this is probably the last thing we'll, we'll talk about in relation to, to England, and I suppose it's, it's, it is coming out of this game because I'm gonna I'm gonna use uh, that that you know pretty excellent Italian team as a as a sort of a benchmark, if you like. What does England have to do to get there? You know, mm-hmm. how long how long does it take? How do we go about doing it? Is our is the things that the that the FA are doing now with with e, you know we hate it E3P, but uh, for, for a few reasons, but it's not all bad, as, as our chairman has said. What is it that we actually need to do? And I know Steve wants to talk about the penalties, but we're not going to talk about the penalties, Steve. <laughs> all right, it's over. All right, but but that's that's really where I'm going. Mm. With that is is you know we we've got we've we've seen a team, you know they're, they're good, they're very very good players, experienced players, but you know the the, yeah. the the premier league's a tough league and it's a competitive league and they're surrounded by people of that ability all the time and it's mm. not you know we're getting young players coming through but it doesn't seem to be sticking it seems to be a mentality a sort of mental fragility are we doing enough now or, or what mm. can we do if i start with you alex uh, well i was speaking to my dad about this last night actually and um i played well i played in the uh, west surrey premier league um for a number of years, which is uh, where players like, I think, Ashley Young, Marcus Ben, players like that have come through. And mm. I remember when I was a kid, um, about 11 or 12, uh, we, were, we were obviously we were playing on the smaller pitches uh, with, the, with the smaller goals and you had seven aside. And around 12 or 13 years old, we were told, oh, uh, next season we're moving to 11 aside, which at the time I thought was quite odd because, you know, we're all these little little kids playing football, uh, the ball was get was going to get bigger as well from a size 4 to a size 5, which I thought was really strange at the time. And um, I thought that, that is just evidence of just how to, you know, we play in such a big space, um, our, the kids play in such a big space and, you know, they're, they're, it's you can tell now that the game's based on sort of uh, athleticism, 
um, you know, strength, power, rather than, you know, skill, uh, technique, um, and all those, you know, wonderful like, skills that we see teams like Spain, Germany, and how they play their, t- how they play their uh, football. And I just thought that was such a big step up for, for kids at the moment. And I think the FA need to maybe, you know, keep the kids in a smaller space and play football mm. in a smaller area for a little longer, maybe for three or four more years. And then when they're about 15, well, 14, 50, then step up to, you know, 11-a-side pitches. I know that's something that's, that's very much on the agenda. And we'll talk a little bit more about technique in a while with, with, with Jill. One of the other things I wanted to mention about that youth football, I played youth football as well. Um, and, and I know you know plenty of people who have done as well and, and sort of graduated up into, into various different levels. But basically, the, the level is the same at, at kids' levels. It's, um, the, it's the parents, really. It's, it, and, and to a lesser degree, some of the coaching, although the coaching is a lot better than it was. But it's the whole idea that that winning is the important thing and that you know you've got people you've got parents at the side of the pitch screaming at kids like it's uh you know like it's a, a game up at sellers park you know yeah they, they, they want these kids to kick lumps out of each other and to win at all costs and there's no you know and to run around the pitch like headless chickens chasing a ball it's it's not mm. you know it's not really how it works Chris, can I just quickly come in there? Um, I'm just talking about um, how Barcelona raised their kids um, in the La Masia, the famous academy. Um, they're told that the results are not important at all. And yeah. um, I remember I've, I've, I read somewhere that um, the Barcelona, one of the one of the members of the academy, uh, gave a sort of lecture to all the coaches around the world. There were Brazilian coaches, Argentinian coaches, and they said, "Oh yeah." Um, you know, we treat we we bring our kids and bring up our kids and say, you know, the result's not important. It's about how you play football, how well and how you know nicely you play the football. And some of these managers from around the world, they just didn't understand it. They didn't understand. Oh, how can you bring up kids without a winning sort of mentality? And I think we need to bring up our kids in that in that in that way. We need to bring them up mm. n- not to worry about the result. It's all about how you know how you play football rather than the actual result itself. It, it is, and I think that's a lot of where a lot of the success of our youth system has has come from as well. Because, um, well, for, for whatever reasons, in the last few years, we we seem to be slightly ahead of the curve in this country. Uh, and I mean, the Oasis t- uh, school tie-in as well is. Um, it's a fantastic thing. I mean, they won they won the whatever the equivalent of their age group uh, of the FA Cup is this year. Um, when you know the school's final and all the way to the you know, final and, and won it quite convincingly. Uh, and in a very short space of time, with additional contact, they've shown you know that they can they can come on leaps and bounds. Hopefully, be, by being a little bit ahead, Palace can uh, sort of can can sort of uh, steal a march on other teams. But there's all sorts of things going on associated with that. And like we said, the you know the E3P and um, the, you know, lack of compensation, and there's also as a result of that, there's teams who are losing out in academies. So you don't know what's going to happen with that talent. It's uh, we're very much still in a transition. But um, Joe, you wanted to talk in a, in a sort of specific way about technique earlier on. Yeah, I mean, I, I just obviously I've got friends that are involved um, in in youth football, and the what they do is they're coached out of a manual. And any flare, any time any any kid comes along, and he wants to he wants to do a back flick, he wants to do uh, he wants to do what he sees on the telly, he's told not to. And and I can tell you, I can't, I, I can tell you this. I've got a fr- two friends of mine, one of their boys at Charlton, the other ones at Arsenal, and we've now got another one. Funny enough, the other day my mate come up and he, he got a, a card of a Fulham scout um, for his son. And and what they do is all these kids they copy everything they see on the TV. But as soon as they get within the professional ranks, it's coached out of them. And I, now I've got that, and I'm not going to name the person, but he is at Charlton, mm. all right. And I'm telling you now, it is coached, it is coached out of them. The flair, and if they don't want, they don't want show off because inadvertently if you're a show off you're going to get kicked they want they want people to be around we the likes of of having another gaza um come along that, tell me where is where is that the, the next paul gascoigne being as though he hasn't been around mm. for whatever eight or ten years well Where's i mean there's so do you, do you, the sort of players who are sort of uh given the title of the next gaza i mean obviously we've got rooney was you know is known as, Waza, as a result but you got skulls uh, do you remember david dunn of course was Entitled as the next Gaza, you know the closest sort of person in terms of flair and just unpredictability 
you know, that I've seen is Wilf Zaha. No, you know what I mean? You're right. Yeah. I was, was going to say that. Wilf mm. is. I think he's given carte blanche to go out there, yeah. which is why I think he needs a little. He needs someone a little bit older to go, look, you can do all the tricks, but we need a little bit of end product. And I think this season, someone mm. would have said that to him last year. Because it, the thing is, if he keeps trying to do tricks, he'll keep on getting kicks and he'll keep on getting mm. doubled up on and he won't have any end product. So he can do his trick, then pass it. So all he's got to do. He will be, Wilf will come good this year. Mark my words. I'll, Jeff, I agree, mate. We've typically we've gone down the Palace Road again. So Alex sorry, Alex. So as I say, is the coach you're talking about uh, Leds Reed? No, 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 no. He's he's I'm not going to say. Yeah, I'm not going to say because <laughs> he, he is a friend of mine. But what yeah. I'm saying is, he said to me that as soon as and this this is not Charlton. I'm not going to coach Charlton off. That, uh, right. Uh, even I hate them, but what I'm saying is it, uh, they it's it's just renowned through football. That what they do is they, 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 everyone. When you go for a coaching badge, you're all taught out the same book. No one no one has a different coaching badge book. It's all out the same book. So then what you do is as soon as you've moved on, you've got your coaching badges. You're then coaching kids. They're not going to teach you. You're not going. You very rarely you're going to do what Gary Neville's done. Do his coaching badges. Don't do anything. Go straight in the telly, and then a year later he's up there possibly the next England manager, but, you know, it's, they're, they're coat the kids, we haven't got any kids come through, or very rarely now, that that have got any flair, and and that is what we need, and you look at the Italian side, and, and, uh, and all the sides now, they've got flair players, and, but they've got like four or five of them, where we might only have one, or even a half, they've got more of them, and, and that's where we're losing out. That's it, uh, Steve, sorry, finally, you've been screaming at us for ages, in the chat, what is it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I firstly wanted to start talking about the uh, the, the NFC, the National Football Centre. We, we were saying before, what is it that that's going to create the players and the uh, the England team to actually go on and, and win one of these major tournaments? I think one of the reasons why Roy Hodgson was picked was the fact that he's the sort of bloke that will actually go to the... Um, the National Football Centre, whenever he's not actually working on the England first team, he will get involved. He will get get the uh, the, the teams all the way through from the, uh, the the senior team all the way down to under 15s to the schoolboys, and actually get them playing the way that he envisages. That's actually winning a tournament. Um, on top of that, as well, I think that yeah, it's it's great for us looking at the likes of the Palace Academy, but. Unfortunately, we've already seen the first one with, with Wickham uh, folding their academy. Uh, I think it's going to go on and on and on now because of the likes of the uh, the EPPP. And if someone can remember that, then uh, type it out in the chat so I can say it. Um, but the, the EPPP is going to basically shut down so many academies. It's not going to be worthwhile the likes of, of, of Wickham you know, creating an academy. It's not going to be worthwhile the likes of, of Carlisle United creating one. And, and we're very lucky that we've actually had a uh, an academy set up for a long time that's actually worked incredibly well that um you know that uh, we've got owners are prepared to put money into even if the uh, the likes of man united will just end up stealing our players um it, and just just to let you all know it's the elite player performance plan that's what i was trying to remember but i'm just going to carry on calling it the e triple p now um but yeah i mean i think that the way that you get football moving forward in this country is you get the lower teams the the, the schoolboy teams etc and you get them moving through uh playing the same style of football that the uh, the first team plays you do that by having them playing 11 aside as early as possible on top of that you end up getting as many possible training games uh together which are actually focused on little triangle passes little touches um, and also creativity, which is something that the gel said before we need to allow people to actually try and show bit of creative flair if you don't then you don't end up getting the likes of, of Messi who for me having watched some of his uh his under eights football that's uh, that you can see on YouTube looked incredible even as a as an eight-year-old I'm not saying that you're likely to necessarily get that I think a Messi comes along once in a generation but you know I, I think Joe I mean what's your views on the youth set up within England well, I mean, didn't Stuart Pearce, didn't, didn't we win something a, a, a little while back, one or two years ago? Um, um, I'm not too... I'm, I know we... Well, did we win like the under-18s under or under-19s? Um, Euros like, or World Cup yeah, or something. Yeah, we've done well in a series of youth tournaments. So, obviously, I know with the under-17s, 
they won a they won a tournament because uh, Ryan Ennis captained England. Didn't that's it, that's what I'm saying. Was was, yeah. was Stuart Pearce in charge of those? But it, this is the other thing as well, right? We've got all these players come through. Oh, who's the who's the young fella? He was 16 when he off, maybe even 15 when he made his uh, debut for for Barcelona. What Bojan? Bojan. What's yeah. happened? Just out of interest, go. Yeah. Don, no. What's oh, happened to him? He's gone to. Um, he went to Roma. Um, apparently, he scored around 900 goals in the uh, youth team for Barcelona. That's right. Yeah, he did. But yeah. what I'm saying is, but he was good enough to come in and, and play mm-hmm. for, and actually play for the first team in Barcelona. Now we must have we must have some kids. We've got to start believing in the youth. I mean, listen, if, we, if we're going to go out in the quarterfinals, I'd rather go out in the, in the group stages, having f- you know, three or four games where our kids right, have, have given it a go. They've gained big-time experience. And, and that's the thing. We need, to give, we need to bring these kids in, not just for a friendly, for 15 minutes. We need to give them a game. And if they royally balls it up, then well they ain't got they'd have to wait another chance for you know another while for a chance but sooner or later to give two or three of these kids who have been playing together for a little while give them a chance at you know Man United you never win nothing with kids really how about twelve championships in fourteen years yeah well exactly I mean doing it's, it's doing it the right way and and obviously the the problem's always going to be there's a right way for the for the clubs and there's a right way for the national team and the two don't always mix and I think that's what what the FA have tried to do, but by doing it the way they've doing it, they've just given they've given the concession of power to the Premier League clubs, and I think that's the wrong that's the wrong move, unfortunately, because it's still you know this youth setup still going to involve uh, bringing in sort of um, foreign kids to the setup, and you know that doesn't really build for our future as a as a nation. So there is a conflict there. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying from from an England perspective. You know the way we're going about things is is not going to be a quick fix. We're talking a long term uh, solution. I just want to make one little comment about Bojan. He, um, I think it was an under seventeen World Cup a few years back, where he was at sort of the height of height of his hype, if you like. Just started to break through into Barcelona's team, and um, he went to uh, a tournament. I think he was representing Spain because he could represent someone else as well. If that's if Serbia. Serbia. That's right. Yep. Yep. Well, in England. So um, you know, but he um, he finished joint top scorer of the under seventeen World Cup with um, Victor Moses, of course, who was at Palace at the time. So there you go. Um, Is that the famous Nigerian striker? That's that's Nigeria's Victor Moses. Yeah, um, <laughs> Steve. Very quickly, because we need to we need to end this. We've got things. I've got a life, you know. I'll uh, I, I won't doubt you on the fact that you've got a life, Chris. Um, <laughs> it's a lie. I'll, I'll see you on the uh, the Homestyle website in ten minutes. Um, okay, <laughs> I think there's, there's certain things for me. There's um, the fact that actually I think this is probably the first European Championships in a long time where we haven't just had, uh, you know, your mainstays. It hasn't just been the old boys club. We've actually been bringing in some players as well. We've had the likes of, of Jordan Henderson that's not even getting a, uh, a game for Liverpool all the time that's, that we've, we've brought on as a sub. I think mm. we've we've also had uh, the likes of uh, of Alex Oxley Chamberlain, and for the last time, Chris, you're going to have to call me, hear me call him the Ox. I hate but you. The, <laughs> you love me. Uh, the, the, having mm. Alex Oxley Chamberlain come on as well and show some very positive uh, moves when he had the ball. I think we also had Fair Walcott, who's looking better than he has in a, in a long time, um, just absolutely coming through the side. And I think the other thing to remember as well is. Um, they are starting to have more English players coming through into uh, into Premiership sides. I don't think we are just having cheap foreign players uh, that are coming in now. I think we are starting to have the English players move through it, and and hopefully we're we're going to see that ourselves at Palace this summer. In the fact that hopefully we'll be we'll be losing Klein to uh, to Man United, and we'll be uh, you know. Possibly next summer we'll be having Wilf moving on somewhere uh, to to a bigger club and and getting a, a huge amount of, of cash for him. Um, mm. I think that people can move through it. Uh, and uh, I, I think um, Joe, you wanted to say something on the uh, sorry, Chris, the Ox. Yeah, well, no, the it, no, it, 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 it wasn't about him. It was about Henderson. I did my own personal point of view. Listen, I'd like to say you all know I'm a plastic scouser and. Why on earth Liverpool decided to pay a squillion quid for him? I'll, I'll never know. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't get it. I really don't. If he's good enough to play for England, then we are we're in the absolute rubbish. 
Well, I mean, I, I was asked who he was in the, in the pub yesterday, and the best I could muster was he's an object in an England shirt. But I mean, I don't want to be too hard on him because he did show a lot of talent at, at Sunderland, but it was one of those moved too much, you know, too quickly, too soon. But um, just before we um, we we just round off Euro our Euro twenty twelve podcast, which we've talked about Palace for quite a lot of um <laughs> Alex I don't know you seem to go to say something did you have anything you want to add at the end uh yeah no and I think what's encouraging as well is um what they do what what uh what they what it looks like they're doing is they're looking at players performances in the under 21s and they're promoting them uh and yeah. that was epitomized by you know Jack Butland's selection um I think he's looked good in the under 21 so they thought Rather than bringing in someone like um, a, you know Scott Carson or um, I don't know Paul Robinson, um, you know bringing in somebody who can sort of gain valuable experience, and you know we're probably going to see a lot more of that in the future. Uh, players being fast tracked from the youth teams into the full side, so that might be encouraging for players like Will for um, or Nathaniel Klein. So. Agree yeah, totally, mate. Very good point. Um, I do hope that they get out of this habit of just picking Premiership reserve players instead of players that are playing week in, week out in the Championship. It drives me insane. It took, it took Klein a long, long time to get recognition in the England under twenty under twenty ones, and quite often it was it was a you know a Man U reserve player or a Tottenham reserve player who you know weren't playing competitive football. It got very frustrating at the time. Um, but yeah, if they can get out of that habit as well, rewarding people who play games, but Again, doesn't really play into the hands of the Premier League. You have all the power, and you get this whole, you know, constant theme going on. But anyway, we could talk about this forever, but we're not going to. Um, what we are going to do, just to round this off, is we're going to get. I'm going to talk to the lads, and I'm give my opinion as well. Uh, a very, very quick statement on on who we think is going to win the tournament and why that is. Um, I'm going to start with you, Alex. Um, well, I'm. I don't know. The Spain and Portugal match would be very interesting. Um, I think Spain are very. They're, they're, they've got the right uh, strategy uh, to beat uh, Spain. I think, and you know, they've got a very organised back four, organised midfield, and they've got players that can hurt them on a counter attack. So, you know, I'm not too sure who's going to win that match, to be honest. But by performances in the in the tournament, I probably go for Germany. I think if Germany can beat Italy. I think they can, who are sort of adopt the similar tactics to Spain in in sort of possession in a possession based system. I think, you know, they're, they're good enough to beat uh, Spain. Excellent, thanks, mate. Joe, what's your thoughts? Uh, Spain for me. It's always been Spain for me. I just think they'll they'll always have that that extra gear to go up if and when it's needed. Um, too many flair, too many skillful players. Mm. Um, I mean. It, the, the Germans have got efficiency, um, but I don't think they've got as many gears as the Spanish. I think they just wear you out, wear you down, and and uh, and then they finish you off. And I can see, um, I can see Torres really coming into his own. Um, I hope he does. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Okay. I'll. Um, well, Steve. Last of all. To be honest, I'm, I'm going to do my usual thing where how I always turn around and say it's going to be four-one in the next game. I'm going mm. to say it's going to be Portugal. I, I think everyone's completely written them off. Um, they only talk about one man at, at Portugal, and that's uh, that's Ronaldo. Yeah. But I think we're going to end up seeing them. Uh, I don't think they'll, they'll they'll take Spain apart by by any means. But I think that they're a team that they can be underestimated all too easily, and can end up really uh, really cutting you deep at the uh, in the last minutes. Mm. Okay, mate. Well, just to uh, finish us off, my my thoughts. Are, I've got a sneaky feeling on Italy after that game. Part of me because I want England to have gone out to the eventual winners, but I just saw. Um, I just think that that performance will give them a significant amount of belief um, in their own abilities. So I, I think that's going to be a, a factor. Uh, I think there's definitely more to come from them, and, and I think the Spanish have, have looked um, have looked a tired force. I don't know how much of that's um, their their coach playing a few games of you know mind games, saying that that they're you know sort of tired and out on their feet and what have you. But they've certainly looked a little bit lacklustre in the last couple of games. So, you know, and obviously everyone's talked about the Germans and how strong they've looked. Um, I just think it might be um, um, a little bit too early for them to um, to win this tournament. I just fancy the little bit of nous that the uh, the Italians have might win through there. But there we go. Um, it's been a, been been a fun one today. We've it's, time's gone pretty quickly. Um, Thank you so much for downloading and listening in. Um, obviously, thank you to Alex, Joe, and to Steve for their thoughts today. Uh, we'll be back for one final 
Euro 2012 podcast when the tournament's all done and dusted. We'll try and round up the whole thing. And it'll also be used to give us a um, preview of what's coming up for the Palace season. Um, Hope you've enjoyed today and um, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Goodbye. I'm going to have to edit the end of this now because I forgot to click stop. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say bye. Say say bye, it's still going. Bye. 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 Oh, <laughs> supposed to be a what? coordinated goodbye oh, oh, now you've started speaking again I still haven't pressed stop let me press stop oh, bye okay. the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year beyond the pitch beyond the results we're here to connect fans getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans we're a team with two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.